My name is Doug Bridge. I'm the family ministries pastor here. And it's been my joy to uh, watch all of the creative things going on that caused some of these things to happen, uh, as well as some of the things that you don't see right now, things like uh, uh, a middle school camp that's coming up and a high school camp that's coming up for summer and a trip to Mexico and summer's great adventure and all kinds of things that God is doing uh, for the young people in our church here, which brings me to the point that today is a family Sunday. This would normally be where kids would have already been dismissed, but we're staying together. And we're staying together on purpose. First of all, it's a holiday weekend. And second of all, parents and all the rest of you in here that aren't parents, uh, if you don't know it, we are regularly teaching children what we think about God. And every once in a while, I think it's a great idea for them to stay in here with us and see the rest of what happens. Um, this morning has been more geared for them than for you, possibly. I feel really good about the fact that my knees could do the boom, 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 boom. Finally, that was exciting. So thank you for that. Uh, but being gathered together like this, uh, we start out almost every Sunday in children's church in, in all the services by saying this is the best day of the week. And it's the best day of the week because we're gathered together um, to celebrate who God is as our creator, as our savior, um, to worship him. And outside of heaven, I'm really not sure that it gets a whole lot better than right this moment where we're all focused like we're supposed to be on him and what he wants in our lives. Uh, so let me remind you that this is now the sixth of a six-session sermon series. So this is it. The baton got passed, and you're stuck with me this morning. So since I have it, there we go. You have heard um, in this fan into flame, be faithful, be on guard, be strong, handle the word correctly. Uh, and this morning we're going to do fan into flame, lean into the tape. Uh, so today we're finishing the series that we've begun six weeks ago. Um, Doug Freeman kicked it off, then he passed the baton on to Jim, and now he's passed it on to me to do lean into the tape. But before we go any further, I need to take an aside from my notes, because when God does these kinds of things, I just say them anyway. Uh, last time I got to share with you, it was on our 45th anniversary, so I told you about that, and I bragged on my wife a little bit. I haven't preached since then, but this morning, I need to say something that I've said before. First of all, uh, Jerry and Joanne Krapser have two of the sweetest granddaughters in the world, and if you don't know the familial connection there, their son is the dad of those two granddaughters, and our daughter is the mother of those two granddaughters. So if they've got the sweetest granddaughters, then of course, it goes without saying, right? Well, I would like to announce, because many of you have been asking, and you've been asking for, some of you, almost nine months, <laughs> will, will it ever happen? And I just need to tell you this morning that Rick and Lori Peterson have the sweetest grandson in the whole world. Can you go ahead and give us that? And for those of you that are new that don't know the familial connection, 
Uh, Rick and Lori's daughter is Jill, our daughter-in-law. <laughs> that, so that's our son over there, Jeff, who you sometimes see on the base. And so because they have the sweetest grandson in the whole planet, um, I guess I do too. So there you are. There's the announcement. Now you don't need to ask anymore. Uh, if you want details, good luck. <laughs> I'm so excited. I don't remember the seven pounds, two ounces, or the 21 inches, or any of those things that seem to be important to other people. Okay, thanks. So now as we're going to move along, as we move into this final time together, um, there's a key verse, and we're going to use that for the outline that you have in front of you. So for those of you that, that have uh, you know, the propensity to fill in blanks, uh, you probably have already filled them in. Uh, if you're familiar with Scripture at all, you probably know what they are, and that's okay. Because when, when we're done today, I hope that you walk out with at least that notion in your mind as to what those three points are. And the idea overall is that leaning into the tape, and for kids, if you don't know this, they don't do it as much anymore, but there used to be a ribbon at the finish line of a race. And as somebody crossed over it, it wasn't just a clock with all kinds of digital cameras and things attached to it. You had to lean into the tape so that you would be ahead of the people who were right next to you to get that advantage to finish first. And so leaning into the tape has to do with finishing well. And I'm aware that most of you know that our children's ministry director, who is not teaching children's church this morning, but is actually in the room with us, you, you are aware, because I told you before, she graduated from Grand Canyon University. Um, but what you didn't get is you didn't get to see it. Shall we? Yeah. Pay attention to what's hanging around her neck, if you can. Here we go. Look down on the bottom. Oh, we don't have sound. Oh. Sarah Zadala Kovan. Tanera Rice. <laughs> Wait for it. Watch. Jane Darlene Pinto. Yeah. Lamont Register. She has gold ropes. Not the typical thing that you would see necessarily, but that indicates something. It indicates that Tanny finished well. She ran her race in such a way for those years of college that she didn't just get a diploma. They gave her a gold rope for Pete's sake. Not, not sure, you know. I'm not sure who decided the gold rope is what needed to indicate this thing, and maybe there's some great historical thing that I'm missing, but what it does mean is she was not only on the dean list, dean's list, but she, she graduated magna cum laude. Um, I was just lordy cum sooner. Um, glad, glad to, you know, get out of there. Um, so... The key idea today is not just in the passing of the baton, but that that final burst, that final run, that final person who, who has taken the baton and is running with it finishes well. And interestingly, that's all of us. We are all baton receivers and we are all baton passers. Um, 
there is a sense in which what Doug Freeman did that passed the baton to Jim and Jim then passed on to me is one way of looking at it. But something more important is, is this idea of, ooh, kids, you ready for a big word? Metaphorically. It means like a picture, but not the real thing. Like if I said, hey, I have a dog, you wanna see him? And I reach into my pocket. You know I'm not gonna pull out my dog. I'll probably pull out a picture of a dog and show you my dog. This dog on the picture doesn't eat anything. He doesn't make any noise. He's not really the dog. He metaphorically stands for what the dog is. And so what we want to do here today is recognize that passing the baton happens anytime we're in God's word. Anytime you're reading God's word, a baton is trying to be passed. The Holy Spirit is trying to take God's word and pass it on to you and to me. Anytime we come to church like this and we open God's word together, a baton is being passed. Not, not from me to you, from God to you, from his word to you. So when we hear a message, uh, when, when we're sharing something that we read in our devotions together, when we're having devotions together, when we meet as small groups, those are all opportunities for batons to be passed. When we have conversations with friends or family who don't know Jesus Christ, and we act like Christ, and we speak like Christ, and we love them like Christ, the baton is trying to be passed. So let's look at our first verse for this morning, because it, it, it gets almost a little heavy, a little tough, but 2 Timothy 4.1, and by the way, we're in 2 Timothy 4, so that's all the further we're going to have to go today, because that wraps the book up. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing in his kingdom, I give you this charge. Whoa. And some of you might be saying, wow, Paul's talking really tough there to Timothy. Uh, if you remember, all scripture is inspired by God and is for you and for me, not just for Timothy. We're, we're not left off the hook here, but it sounds kind of important, doesn't it? I give you this charge. This is a big deal. I mean, it's a bigger deal than I give you my charge card. It's way more important than that. Uh, I give you this charge, and let's read on in verse 7 of that same chapter. It says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Point number one, for those of you that like to fill in the blanks, let's fight the good fight. Uh, for those of you that are kids in here this morning that are normally in children's church, I want to make sure that you all understand we're not talking about a street fight. We're not talking about MMA. We're not talking about any of those kinds of things, a verbal fight that you have. Um, we're talking instead about a spiritual fight that goes on, a spiritual fight that's going on around us all the time. And so when Paul uses words like fighting the good fight, he's not talking about duking it out with your brother or your sister. He's talking instead about the fight that we have constantly with our old nature, the fight that we have with Satan, the fight that we have with just not wanting to try any longer. So when we talk about fighting the good fight, 
We're talking about something that is along the lines of what Paul talked about when he said the armor of God. You put on the armor of God, which doesn't mean you have actual armor at home that you place on your body, but instead, metaphorically, like a picture, you are putting on those pieces of armor that will protect you in spiritual warfare, in spiritual fights. This idea that we are in a battle and that it's going on around us all the time is more real than any of us realize. If we could see for a moment what was going on around us, it would boggle our minds, to say the least. And for those of you that love to read, try some of Frank Peretti's books on that subject. Just interesting insights into what it could be like. But let's see what, what has been uh, passed along to Timothy in verses 1 and 2. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. My grandfather and his contemporaries had a way of saying this, be prepared in season and out of season. He said, always be prepared to pray, preach, or die. And that's not just to pastors. That's to all of us. We need to be ready at any given moment. We, we need to be prepared in season and out of season to be able to come alongside each other and correct and rebuke and encourage and to do that with great patience and careful instruction. Uh, Paul goes on to say in Corinthians, let's look at that verse for a moment. I run the race then with determination. We're not talking about race quite yet, but he goes on to say, I am no shadow boxer. I really fight. And kids, if you're not familiar with shadow boxing, good. Uh, but it has to do with practicing your moves against yourself, but with your shadow. There weren't all the cool, crazy ways of doing things back in the day. So you turn a bright light on, cast your shadow on the wall, and you start fighting with yourself. Wouldn't suggest you try it anymore. But the good news about shadow boxing is you never have to receive a punch. Shadows don't hit very hard. <laughs> Paul's saying, I'm not a shadow boxer. I'm really fighting. This is an actual battle and fight going on, folks. It's a spiritual thing, and we take hits on a regular basis. So how do we fight the good fight? Here at Verde Valley Christian Church, we wear the armor of God, and we have five core statements that help us remember what's important in the spiritual battle. Kids, because you still have memories. And adults that might have a memory from this last six weeks that's been going on. Remember Jim and Doug doing this? What's the first one? Wow, a lot of those voices were kids' voices. Good job. Love God wholeheartedly. Then? Do first things first. Then? Don't do life alone. Then? Hmm. We're losing our group, and it's becoming a smaller and higher pitched crowd each time. Okay, save people, serve people. And the last one is? Good, we had some bases in there that time. Thank you, man. Great job. As we move on to point number two, I need to set up, I've got some quick video clips this morning and visual really helps me. If you're an auditory learner, you're in heaven right now because all I'm doing is talking. But for those of us that are visual learners, it really helps to see this stuff sometimes. So let me set this up. On January 24th of last year, 2021, 
So it's been a number of months. Zaya Holman, a freshman, uh, a young lady that was a freshman at the University of Michigan, was on their track team. Specifically, she ran in the 4x400 relay race, and she was the anchor runner. The anchor runner means she's, she's the last one to have this handed to her, and it's her job to finish. No matter what the three people did ahead of her, she's supposed to finish well. She's that one, and she's a freshman in college. So you can imagine the tension of all of that, not to mention the fact that as she receives the baton, her teammates have her now four seconds behind. Four seconds on a sprint race like this is a lot of distance in time. Would you watch this, though? It's the bell lap. There's one more lap to go. Rosaya. 4x4. You know, I've watched that race. <laughs> yeah, right? I've watched that race at least a dozen times. And every time, is she going to do it? Because she starts so far behind. And there's no chance she's going to even catch him, let alone pass him and finish the race. She finished well. She ran her race with determination. Uh, those kinds of stories are encouraging to me. So point number one was fight the good fight, and point number two, if you haven't figured it out already, is what? And that was deeper voices. Good job, all right. So here we are. Finish the race. What kind of races do you think the Apostle Paul's talking about here? An actual foot race like Zaya? Uh, no, he's talking about the, the race of life. Actually, from my perspective, even though our life is like a grand, long race. Um, Zaya's going to have lots more races. As a matter of fact, I believe she just recently set a world record. That's just so cool that she went from a freshman that, and now she's a sophomore, and she's doing stuff that's blowing people literally off the track. And, and for us, it's not just the one big race. It's all the races along the way that are part of our career and our lives. Um, let's, let's look at a couple more verses in 2 Timothy. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Ugh. I don't like to think about that. Because guess when we're living? Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. Has there ever been a time in history where people could gather more teachers around themselves than today with the internet? 
You can absorb anything you want. It's all out there. It's not all the truth, but it's all out there. And in this race, these are the kinds of things that set us four seconds behind. We have to be careful. We have to deal with all of these kinds of things that are in the good fight, that are part of finishing the race. Let's look at Acts 20, 24. But my life means nothing to me. My only goal is to finish the race. He wants me to tell others about the good news of God's grace. That's how we run the race. We tell others about the good news of God's grace. Unbelievers and believers alike, because we need to be encouraging each other as we're running the race. Um, And just in case some of you that are younger in this room right now are thinking that I'm only talking to people my age and older, the race has already begun. You are already in it. It does depend on which team you're running for, who the captain of your team is. Is the captain of your team Jesus? Uh, If it's not, there are all these other things that will draw you to them. But our races have difficulties and challenges and joys. That race had to have been miserable for the coach right up until the very end. A very obvious point I think I need to say then is you can't finish a race you're not in. If you're in the stands, you'll never finish the race. If you only sit on Sunday mornings, and this doesn't, if you don't walk out of the door with a baton in your hand, and this is all there is, then, then you're not in the race. We've, we've got to get together like this. We've got to share together like this. We've got to be encouraged like this. We need to be challenged like this. And then we need to continue to run the race outside those doors. Um, which brings us to point three. Point one was fight the good fight. Point two was finish the race. And point three will be Anybody? Keep the faith. faith. That's right. It's from that verse we looked at at the beginning. Keep the faith. Um, I need to set up the visual for this last thing here because something interesting happened this year in an area of sport that I really don't have any knowledge except what I've researched since the event occurred. The event occurred just a while ago and some of you may have heard of it. It's this little, little event called the Kentucky Derby. Um, the name of the horse that I want you to be watching for and listening for is Rich Strike. Rich Strike is the name we're looking for and watching. He'll be one of the horses that has an arrow showing his position. There are about three horses that will have arrows pointing at them so that you can see what's going on because if you're like me, Yeah, that's horses, and they're running all right. (laughs) So the arrows will really help anybody in my category. Um, But I also want you to notice that you aren't going to hear Rich Strike much at the beginning. Okay? Let's watch this together. 
horses and is moving up quickly as Crown Pride takes the lead around the far turn. It is Crown Pride battling with Messier. Their stride for stride. Epicenter and Zozo sit behind them. Cybernet sweeps up on the outside. Sandon gets the rail run and they're into the stretch. And it's Messier, Crown Pride, and Epicenter is coming up on the outside. Epicenter has taken the lead. Epicenter is obviously going to win. Sandon is coming after him. Obviously. Epicenter and Sandon, these two. Oh, wait. Strive for strive. Simplification down the outside is next. And coming down to the wire. Epicenter, Sandon. Rich strike is coming up on the inside. Oh, my goodness. The longest shot has won the Kentucky Derby. Whoa. Some of the reports said... The Kentucky Derby has been the most boring sporting event for the last 15 years you can imagine, until this year. I wonder why. Was that not exciting to see that horse just, it's, it's like he had eyes, you know, just weaving in and out like he did. Here's something crazy. Do you know that the day before the race, he was not in the, going to be in the Kentucky Derby? He was a, a not even an also-ran. He wasn't on the roster. But the day before the Kentucky Derby, one of the horses scratched. Not like this, okay? Because I kind of thought, don't all horses sort of do the whole scratchy, itchy thing? But that's not what they meant. So he got nixed out of the race. And this one got brought in at the last second. Remember that verse we just read about being ready in and out of season? I think this horse was ready. What do you think? And... And I believe, I'll probably get this wrong, but the odds that he paid, which is none of our concern, of course, uh, but the odds that he paid were like the second or third highest in history because he was nobody. Guess what? I'm nobody. And when God gets a hold of me, I can do things that I normally wouldn't be able to do. And you can do things you wouldn't normally be able to do. Because with the Holy Spirit indwelling us, it's not the same race anymore. Okay, so we're on keep the faith. Uh, let's look at a few more verses in 2 Timothy. For I am already being poured out like a drink offering. Some of you may relate to this more than others. Uh, and the time for my departure is near. Paul is nearing the end of his life and he knows it. That's a sobering thought. For everybody in this room, there are those who, because of our chronological age, recognize this as a more real possibility on a daily basis. But the truth is, none of us know. And you know what would be great is if on our way out this morning, the Lord returned. Hopefully, at that point, we'd find ourselves, you know, prepared in and out of season, and we've run the good race and all those. So, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Paul can say that with a great deal of certainty because he knows where he came from. He knows what God has done in him, and he has seen what God has done through him. And let's just look at one more verse. Matthew 20, 28. Like the Son of Man who did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life 
to redeem many people. What does it mean to keep the faith? Well, it means even if you get thrown into the race late in life, give it your best. Because God is the one that we need to rely on. If Jesus is the one who saved us and places his Holy Spirit within us, why do we think we should continue past that point on our own? Want to look up a good verse? Look at Galatians 3.3. We don't need to do any of this on our own. He's there for us. He wants the best for us and through us. He wants us to fight the good fight and to finish the race and to keep the faith. And keeping the faith, uh, this is the final call out. So kids, I'm talking to you right now. Teenagers, talking to you right now. Adults, talking to you right now. Retirees, oh, I'm definitely talking to you right now. Because here's a big question. If we're told to fight the good fight, finish the race, and keep the faith, who do you think might be our best example to follow? Kids know this answer. Go ahead, kids. Thank you. Yes. Still not afraid to speak out. Good job. So since Matthew 20, 28 tells us that what Jesus did is he came to serve and to give his life and he didn't come to be served, then part of what it looks like to fight the good fight, to finish the race and to keep the faith means do what Jesus did and serve. Some of you are already enjoying what it means to serve. Serving within our church body, serving within those areas that, that we have as a church that we support. Um, kids, you were serving today great. You did a good job everywhere I saw you were serving. And it was so enjoyable to see you do it with smiles on your faces. Thank you for that. So this is for kids too. Uh, and it's not just today. Almost every single Sunday, I see kids in our hallway that are greeting you as you come in, that are helping behind the cookie counter, you know, that are doing those kinds of things. Way to go. And teenagers, the things that I see you do, uh, the things that you help with in Summer's Great Adventure and in Pulse and Children's Church on Sunday mornings and so many other ways. Um, those of you that are doing that already, great. And adults, I know you're busy. I get it. Consider your options. And today's actually a good day to do that. Retirees, I'm going to read this to you. Please don't feel like I'm picking on you. But the Verde Valley is still a largely retirement community. You are the largest demographic after children and teens in this church body. You also have the most discretionary time and life experience. And right now, if you're saying to yourself, I've already done my time, is your fight over? Is your race finished? Have you kept the faith? We need you. God has gifted you. He's given you a lifetime of experience and wisdom that we need. No, you don't have to come up on the stage and do the motions for Summer's Great Adventure. Not asking for that, although you, it does make it kind of fun. Um, we're, we're making it possible today for you to leave this room and do something with what you heard. I'm going to 
metaphorically, hand you a baton. And as you go out, if you go out and you walk down the left-hand hallway like you usually do, it's probably because you're already serving. But even if you're already serving, or you just haven't found that thing yet, can I tell you that this list that I'm not going to get too crazy with, there's all these places in the hallway to the right, like going down towards the children's area. There's the Kids Against Hunger, Man's Need to Outreach, Meal Packing for Ukraine. There's a 4th of July set up, tear down, games, food stuff. You don't even have to have a spiritual gift in that area to do some of these things. You can just do it. Uh, volunteers for Summer's Great Adventure, nursery staff, children's church, Pulse is coming up in August. Student ministry needs support volunteers. We need check-in people uh, for Sunday mornings and other times. The cookie counter and the coffee and the snacks. We need greeters. We need people in the parking lot. We need more ushers. We need people to help set up communion. We need people to help set up special events and tear down special events. Right? A lot of stuff. And in the process, it isn't so that you can be busy. It isn't at all. It's so that you can fight the good fight, so that you can finish the race, so that you can keep the faith, so that others will be handed a baton and hear about Jesus Christ, sometimes for the first time. We're gonna have a baptism next service. Serenity's been here since she was a little girl. I remember, because I was there too. I wasn't a little girl, but I was, you know. <laughs> I was a little littler, anyway. Uh, it's, it's exciting to see what God is doing in people's lives. And it's because we are faithful and we fight the good fight and we finish the race. Let's pray. Father, as we leave here today, would you allow us to think creatively? Would you allow us, allow us to consider those things that, that are perhaps uh, even out of our comfort zone? Father, there are things that we, can, that we can serve in that only last a few days and some that last only a few weeks and some that are each week and some that require a great deal of skill and, and intensity and others that just require a loving person to be there. Father, would you help us to become a church body who is continually known to love those who come here? And God, if there are any here this morning who don't know you yet, that they would see the joy that's been expressed here today and that they would want to ask questions about that. God, we love you. We trust you with our lives. And we look forward to what you're going to be doing because you're a great, loving, merciful, gracious Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you have prayer needs today over here in the lighted alcove, you can make your way over there. We have people that would love to pray with you. Uh, and otherwise, I won't be checking, I won't be looking, but if you go out and to the right, you might have a chance to sign up for something fun. Bless you. <laughs>